The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, and articles, five, and opinions four, from the worlds of wrestling, three, video games, football, two, and entertainment. One and And we are live to tape to the W2M Network with Season 2, regular season episode 9 of The Kickoff. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening, everybody. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me at this time, we got the whole gang together. We have the Down Since Day One co-host, Brandon Biscabing. Hey, hey, hey. The executive producer turned co-host turned executive producer, Eric Watkins. Landry Jones. Landry Jones. Seriously. Landry Jones. Could be worse. We'll talk more about that in Homers. And the chairman of the W2O Network, Jason Teasley. And this week, welcome to Catfish. (laughs) The views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily reflect both of us here at the W2O. Never mind. Moving on. (laughs) It's time for Studs and Duds. Eric? You know, there are some records that we think they'll never be breathed on, they'll never be touched, they'll certainly never be broken. But when you're a man who's competitive enough, works hard enough, just keeps on grinding and striving, even though he's played for two teams that I pretty much despise as an NFL fan, He garners the respect of the great ones, and he also garners my respect. My stud for this week, the one, the only, Adam Vinatieri. At least all the nightmares that he gave me aren't in vain, and Morton Anderson took time out to thank him from the golf course. Jason? Well, my my stud and dad are from the same team. So we'll start with studs being a certain former collegiate receiver of Johnny Manziel turned Tampa Bay Buck, Mike Evans, who racked up a whopping 179 yards on six receptions, one touchdown with the long of 72. Let that sink in for a second. 179 on six. That's almost 30 a catch. Yeah, and and a lot of those came. Well, we'll talk about in duds. Yeah, 29.8 is how they would officially round that. And so, assuming. Assuming a tenth of a point per yard plus touchdown points plus in a in a in a twenty three point nine plus a PPR league you're looking at probably about thirty points from Mike Evans as well twenty nine point nine if you do proper full PPR uh, I've got him listed as twenty three point nine well that's in well, that's the standard or non PPR leagues. Yeah, you're in a non-PPR league then because you would get another half a point or point for each of the receptions in a PPR. Brandon, who's your stud? 
My stub for the week is Matt Colburn from Wake Forest. Uh, yeah, they were playing Louisville. Louisville's not the team that they used to be, but still putting up 243 yards and three touchdowns. Very good game for him. I must say, I saw that final score in that game, 56-35, to 35, Wake Forest, and I did a double take. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Wake Forest winning at football? What does that mean? It's almost, it's almost like Northwestern winning at football, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that. <laughs> My stud for the week is Deshaun Watson, quarterback, Houston Texans. All right, if you look at the first two lines of this number, they're not that impressive. 16 of 20, which is an 80% completion percentage, which is nice, but nothing too out of the ordinary. 239 yards, honestly, for an NFL quarterback, rather pedestrian. Five touchdown passes tying a career high as the Houston Texans took out the Miami Dolphins last week on Thursday Night Football, 42-23. to Yeah, how's Brock Tober working for everybody? Yeah, how did that turn out? And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was Eric who took Houston to win the division? No, no. it was me. No, that was me, I think. Uh, yeah, because I think I took Tennessee. I either took Jacksonville or Houston. I know that much. I think you took Jacksonville because I took Indianapolis. I took Jacksonville. So oh, then took- I was the one that took Houston. I think I took the Titans. I know that is the division that all of us took the different team. We'll be updating our predictions for that next week, which is a heads up here for those of you who listen to the kickoff on a regular basis. Next week will be our midseason awards and updated prediction special. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Let's get back into it. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. And let's move over to Eric for his dud for the week. Well, you kind of teased it. Now, granted, if you look at their record, it's actually decent. If you look at where they are in the standings of their division, it's actually decent. But this does not cover up the fact that Northwestern is a journalism school. Wisconsin, yeah, you were on the road. That doesn't matter. You're a whole pack of badgers. Surely you can beat a bunch of dudes with typewriters and laptops. Shame on you. I will say this much. Northwestern has surprised several teams this year. They knocked uh, Michigan State out of the top 25 earlier this year as well, if you guys recall. Yeah, but if you have you seen the top 25 rankings from the committee? I, I, it, 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 no, somebody was on something. Florida's ranked ahead of West Virginia. That's all I saw. We'll talk more about the college football playoff rankings here in a few moments. Jason, Dud. Well, after that comment, I want to nominate you. <laughs> but somebody had a worse week than that. And I, I alluded to it earlier saying that my stud and dud were from the same game. How can that happen? Well, when your quarterback throws... 276 yards on 18 of 35, which actually should have been 22 of 35 because he had four interceptions. Yeah, former first-round pick James Winston. Go steal some crab legs, you're a dud. 
Well, I mean, to be fair, he did throw a touchdown pass. It was just to the other team. He did. He got yeah. six. And if there's one team that knows about pick sixing, it's my Bills, given the fact that we're starting the Intercepticon once again this week. We'll talk more about this in Pour One Out for the Homers a little bit later on in the show. Brandon, Dud. Um, so, yeah, um, the Dolphins, while, yeah, they, they managed to beat the almighty Bears defense, um, now they're losing... Uh, um, pretty badly, I might add, and that defense is not exactly doing them any favors. I believe the Dolphins at one point were four and two. They are now four and four, and two games behind New England. And they were yep. three and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well played, Adam Gase. Way to choke away the AFC East. Well, again, Tannehill hurt, and you're bringing in Brock Osweiler. This is what happens. Well, but, but it doesn't help when the defense isn't putting up their end of the bargain. It's just sad yeah, that they're real down right now. It's just sad that there's not a damn competent quarterback in that division outside of Foxborough. Okay, that might be a little mean to say. That has been the case in how many years now? Well, Tannehill, when he's healthy, doesn't suck. The True. problem is that he's never healthy. This is what happens you, when you... You want to hear a crazy stat, though? Brock Osweiler actually had more yards than uh, Deshaun Watson this uh, last week. Yeah, yeah but because when you... they were playing from behind most of the game. They oh, had to Not to mention, when I you throw more touchdown passes than incompletions, yeah, you don't need a whole lot of yards. That that's why uh, the 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 Dolphins defense are my dud for the week. I mean, you had 239 passing for Deshaun, which while not great with the five touchdowns, and then you had Lamar Miller going for 133 yards as well. I go back to my first love though for my dud for the week here. As I head back to college football, do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we were all talking about how good Colorado was doing this year? I didn't. No, I don't recall. Mm-hmm. Ah, unfortunately, they lost. They destroyed to, my damn streak. They lost to freaking Oregon State. I'll repeat that. They lost to Oregon State in Boulder. Hey. Six Oregon State at that. Hey, at least everybody got to smoke after the game. And most of them probably needed to. Congratulations, yeah. Buffalo. Way to screw that up. Hey, hey, multiple Buffaloes suck. You won as many games as we have this year, Bisco. Watch your tone. <laughs> Just saying. I, I'm not at this case that fact, but I'm still just saying. With that, we move over to So, that happened. Jason, lead us off. So, that happened. I'm yeah, um, Somebody's microphone. Go. Wouldn't be an episode of the kickoff. A little bit of audio issues there. I apologize, everyone. We continue on with the show, however. With So, that happened. Jason. 
Well, so that happened. When you have the most dominant team in the NFL, do you think you might need to add some defensive help? Because the Rams did. Um, not only did they, were they undefeated, they added another first former first-round draft pick on the defensive side. And, um, Eric, where'd they get this certain person from? I don't want to talk about it. I, I think I think I think you do want to talk about it. No, I think, no, mm, no. I talk so, about it. So since since Eric Eric's feel goods are hurt, since the Jags are on a fire sale, I swear they're the they're the East Coast Raiders. Why would you just add to your defense? For a, I think it was a, wasn't it like a third a, and a seventh? A third and a fifth. God. For Dante Fowler Jr. A third and a fifth. For Dante Fowler Jr. Oh. Uh. We're going to drive Eric to drinking before this show's over, Jason. <laughs> oh, I got myself some I, I got myself some nice sangria, a Mike's Hard Lemonade, and 99 liqueur waiting for me in the refrigerator. I went shopping over Halloween. Oh, dear Christ, why? I mean, I don't think there was any question. That, I don't think there was any question that uh, the Rams, I almost called them St. Louis out of habit, the Los Angeles Rams are the favorites in the NFC going into these trading deadlines here. But I don't think there's any team that did as much for themselves in the NFC as the Rams did by picking up yet another picking up yet another person to put on the defense with um, Aaron Donald and and Dominican too. Yeah, they're pretty much in win now mode and even if they decide to move on from Donald Kong Sue after this season, well, they can step right up with Dante Fowler, restructure a couple of deals, and they can make another run again next year and going forward. But just... I thought that we had turned a corner. I thought that we were past... Oh, Christ. <laughs> I, I just got a question. Did, did somebody on here predict that the Rams would be in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm pretty sure people on here that think the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they call it Super Dominance. All right, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and move on here. We got to continue with so that happened. Brandon, you're up. Um, the only real big so that happened that I can think of. Um, and, and I'll admit I'm biased, uh, right now because of my, uh, fantasy team, but, yeah, the Le'Veon Bell saga continues, even though I think this is the last week he can, uh, uh report before he doesn't become a free agent, correct? No, uh, week 10. That's the line. Oh, week 10. Yeah, because you have to uh, play yeah. six games. To get credit for a year towards free so, agency. So technically it would be week 11 for the Steelers since they've already had their bye. True. 
I mean, honestly, the Bell situation in Pittsburgh, it's, it's enough of a distraction. It's not even that much of a distraction anymore. Pittsburgh's one of the hottest teams in football right now, having taken sole possession of first place in the AFC North, leading the Cincinnati Bengals by, but we just percentage points, but still leading the Bengals. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's at a 6-4-3, and Cincinnati's at a 6-2-5, if I'm not mistaken. But James Conner has more than stepped in to fill the shoes of Le'Veon Bells. I honestly think to the Steelers organization, the Bell thing is a dead issue at this point. Yeah, probably, unfortunately. I mean, the big question now is, um, well, here's actually an interesting question. Um, could the Steelers, in theory, um, do something no. to where he doesn't suit up the whole, like, suit up a certain game or something? Like, I think Mike Tomlin will just be a douche. Let him suit up and just not play him. Well, no. What I'm saying is he'd be even a bigger douche by basically having him be a healthy scratch. And as a result, he would not get his sixth game. Well, not so some... That... Oh, go ahead, Eric. No, I was going to say the organization, not even Mike Tomlin, their first step would be to put him on a two-week roster exemption. Now... That means he would not get paid even when he does come back. So if that has an effect on that six-game eligibility for free agency, then that would be out of Tomlin's hands, and that would be taken care of right in the front office. Hmm. There, yeah. yeah, there are definite ways for Pittsburgh to go about this to the point that Bell would not get his six games played if they wanted to. But at the same time, why keep around somebody that doesn't want to be there when you already have his replacement ready to go? Well, but that's what I'm saying. If he's going to act that way, then basically screw him over just to show him, hey, you were immature, so so can we. Okay, but the problem with that is then you set a bad precedent to potential free agents that, hey, if you get on the, well, wrong, side but, of this if you get on the wrong side of this organization, we will screw you. Well, but, I mean, I think this is a special case because I don't think I've ever seen, I don't think any of us has ever seen a situation where a player has handled their uh, their frustration so poorly. I mean, from a from a personal perspective for Le'Veon Bell, I understand where he's coming from. He feels like he's worth more money than what Pittsburgh is willing to give him. I get that but, from a personal perspective, but from a fan perspective, yeah, you're pissed off at Bell for not playing for the contract that he had. But even on, I mean, I get that, but even on a personal perspective, and, and I've mentioned this before, if, if I were an owner of, a, of another franchise, even if he gets his eligibility with how he's acted this year, no matter how good you are, I would take a very hard pass on this dude because it's like I don't want this drama coming around my organization. So he's going to... He's not going to be getting the top-tier teams looking at him come next year. I think that there will be teams out there that will definitely bite on Bell. I think that they're running the risk of screwing themselves if they do so. They're, they're going to bite on him, but I really don't think Bell is going to get the money that he wants. No. No, not. 100% not. Not a chance. So he, Absolutely not. Yeah, he's got to man up and say, hey, I'm willing to do this, 
or he's really not going to have a job. Well, you know what's going to happen too is he he want, he said before he wants a contract bigger than that that Todd Gurley has. Well, Todd Gurley has gone out with his new contract and busted his ass to be the leading rusher in the NFL right now, which means that Gurley's worth every cent that he's got so far. You don't have the you don't have the availability to prove that you're worth the money that that Gurley's getting right now, lazy on. Not to mention the fact that uh, Gurley's not in the drug program. Bell is. Bell's been caught a couple of times. That also works against you. But that's what I'm saying about Bell, is that the fact that he's not playing and putting up the numbers this year, he's not proving his worth. All right, Jason, you had something interesting that you wanted to talk about here with your show that happened, so I'm going to go ahead and let secede the floor to you here, and then I'll go last. I did? Yes. I don't recall. Uh, a certain Jackson and a certain Haley being S-canned in Cleveland. That was mine. Oh, damn it. <laughs> it was like, I already did mine. Did, did the Rams damn make it. another trade while I was taking a nap? <laughs> I screwed up. I misread it. Yeah, sorry, Eric. I stepped on your thunder there. Go ahead. Take over here. Yeah, because I had the whole intro and everything. It's like, hmm, if you looked at the Browns' schedule and you would think they're 2-5-1, and one. you get the right kicker, they're maybe above 500. You would take that, right? I don't think there's a maybe about it. I think with the proper kicker, the Browns are at least 4-3-1. and one. Alrighty, then. So... The fact that they've already won twice as many games since September as they have in the past two seasons, well, what did they combine? What did they do? Hugh Jackson, goodbye. Oh, Todd Haley, yeah. We don't care that we're finally starting Baker Mayfield and you are a bit of an offensive guru. Yeah, you're, you're out the door, too. So this is now, I believe, the fourth consecutive time that Cleveland has fired a coach after the second Pittsburgh game. Uh, look, Jacksonville, I'm going to talk more about you and pour one out for the homers. Don't become a laughingstock. We already have two in this league. Cleveland is one of them for this exact reason. As I've said before, I'll, I'll say it again. Browns gonna Browns. That's all you need to know. Facts. I mean, who knows? If the Browns are gonna Brown, maybe they get McAdoo back. Oh, God, please. The, the, not only the, the fat, the, the puns we could make, because they would be stepped in McAdoo and it's the Browns. Oh, God, please let this happen. I am putting this in the universe. McAdoo to Cleveland. McAdoo to Cleveland. I'm going to go ahead and say Jeff Fisher. Uh, Even Jeff Fisher wants no part of the dumpster fire that is the Browns. And (laughs) I say the guy that used to coach coach the Titans and the Rams when they suck. (laughs) Jason, don't ruin our fun. Let's get Stephen McAdoo with the Browns, please. But the problem is, is we don't have a place on the show for it anymore. We replaced we replaced the lane train with poor one out for the homers. 
We'll bring it back. Yeah, we, we, we'll bring it back. We can get rid of Ste poor one out for the homework to get stepped in Mac and doo doo in there. The only down the only downside is they've already been on hard knocks. Otherwise that would just be hilarious. Oh god. Alright, so I'm going to go ahead and go with my So That Happens Now here, and I want to talk college football playoff rankings, because the first set of college football playoff rankings have been released finally, and as Jason and Brandon both figured, two SEC teams are inside of the top five with Alabama and LSU. That will probably take care of itself this sun this Saturday, however, when I do believe, a is that the 8 o'clock game? On uh, CBS, Eric? I'm looking that up, but I do believe so. Because I want to say Georgia-Kentucky's the 3.30 game on CBS. Yep. Uh, Alabama-LSU is the 8 o'clock game. Which means Georgia-Kentucky's the uh, afternoon game for, for CBS in the doubleheader spot this weekend. Correct. So... Those two will take care of each other here, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on the overall top six as is here with Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Georgia rounding out the top six here. Three teams from the SEC. I know that we've long complained of an SEC bias on this show, so I'm sure you guys all have something to say about that. But I think everything within the SEC here will work itself out. What are your guys' thoughts on the current top six? And who outside of the top six do you think is the biggest threat to gate crash? Eric, I'll start with you. I've said this before, and especially with the way that they're playing, Michigan is carrying the Big Ten banner, and if there were ever a year with how they set themselves up, even with the early loss to Notre Dame, if they went out, beat Ohio State, and win the Big Ten, I think they would be the ones most likely, in my mind, to sneak in. Eric, or Jason, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Eric. Michigan's got the, the most likely road to crash above anybody else once the SEC takes care of itself, which we know is not going to happen. They'll somehow figure out to get three eight SEC teams into the Final Four. So, Brandon, I, I, you, you can huff and puff all you want, but I actually completely agree with Jason. If, if I could totally see it, if Notre Dame wins, or if Notre Dame loses a couple of games somehow, Maybe even if they even only lose one. If Michigan does not win the Big Ten, maybe if Clemson loses a game or two, the way with the way they're ranking these teams, they are setting it up to where they're basically saying if if the chips fall the right place and and they have an excuse to do it. I could totally see them doing three SEC teams. And hopefully, the only reason why it may potentially be a good thing is because it would drastically, well, at least hopefully, drastically speed up the process of expanding. I, I will give you this. 
say Notre Dame runs the table, if they're left out, you're going to see expansion within the next year or two. Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that runs the table at 12-0 is not getting left out of the CFP, Eric. I, I'm not yeah. definitely saying that they are, but if it's three SEC teams, then it would come down to Clemson or Notre Dame. Look at who they've traditionally favored. Just in these past uh, first couple of years of the playoff. Just saying. You know you know who I think is actually the biggest threat outside of the original top six to make the playoff? I'm even going to go outside of the six that I mentioned there, and I'm going to go to the team that is currently in seventh. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Their lone loss being on a neutral field to Texas. And Texas having some of the wins that it does. Granted, Texas also lost to frickin' Maryland, so you know there's that. But Texas having lost to Maryland and Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma can put a beating on Oklahoma State, it'll revenge the Texas game, and they might have another opportunity against their Red River rivals in the Big 12 championship match. You're forgetting uh, a, a game at, I, a game wait, at the end of the I season. I was just about to get to this. Jason, you will be interested to know. I actually sat here and watched the full college football playoff reveal on ESPN on demand. And three of the four panelists, Kurt Herbstreet, Jesse Palmer, and the other guy whose name I forget, that isn't the host, that's not Reese Davis. I can't think of it right now. I'm too tired. I, I, I do not remember I'm his blanking. name. But he's on uh, game day as well, Eric, if, that, if you can help me out here. It's not Desmond Howard, is it? It might be. I think it is Desmond. Well, all of them picked West Virginia as the team outside of the top six to watch. That surprised me that Herb Street does that. Herb Street never picks West Virginia to do anything. He's he's predominantly against West Virginia no matter what. Reese Davis's team was a was Ohio State. Can, can I just interject one thing when you're going to the lower half of that top 25? Who who was on something when they had some of those ACC teams? I, I'm sorry, but just no. 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 Well, well, two of those ACC teams beat Miami of Florida, Eric, so yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Ooh, they beat Miami. Ooh, a team that doesn't have a quarterback and has been overrated. What the hell does that mean anymore? Especially this season. I will say this much. Of the teams towards the bottom of the ranking, I was very surprised to see NC State get a spot. I was damn near shocked to see Virginia get a spot. Virginia and Syracuse. Lacrosse schools, basketball okay. schools, really? Syracuse, Syracuse, to be fair, there are two losses. One is to Clemson by four, the other is to Pittsburgh by nine. Oh, yeah, but with that, that Clemson one, I would have given them a lot more respect had they actually closed the deal. You were in Death Valley against their third-string quarterback. You had them by the cojones. You twist and pull. Twist and pull. <laughs> Coming soon. If, if, if the kickoff ever gets featured, my character. <laughs> if the kickoff ever did t-shirts, that would be a t-shirt. Twist and pull. Do we have anything else to touch on so that happened, or shall we move on? 
think we can move on. All right, it is now time for buy or sell. Gentlemen, pick your pick your suits. Ten strike. With a spade. Double breasted diamond. I'll take cards. Brandon's won the toss. I, I think you already know what I'm going to pick. Yeah, I kind of figured. All right, so there are 12 teams that are currently in position for playoff berths in the National Football League. If you give me one quick second to pull up the standings for the National Football League, I will read off those 12 teams for you. Give me a quick second. I wasn't quite ready. All right, the 12 teams that are currently in line for playoff spots in the NFL. In the AFC, it is New England, Houston, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and then the two wild cards are the Chargers and the Bengals. In the NFC, it is Washington, Chicago, New Orleans, the Rams, Carolina, and Seattle. Those are the 12 teams currently in playoff positioning. Brandon, you ready for your question? Yep. Buy or sell at least half of those 12 do not make the postseason. Hmm. Half of those do not make the postseason? At least six of the teams that I just mentioned sit at home and watch once we start the games that matter in January. I'm going to sell that. Because I don't... I think... Let, let's go by... Division, especially with hate, or especially with how the Dolphins are playing, and I'll talk about them a little bit later. But and I talked about them already before, and I'll talk more about them a little bit later. I think the Patriots have the East in the bag. The North, while the Ravens are a decent team, I think they're gonna struggle for the rest of the season. I think this. This is certainly Pittsburgh's division to lose, especially with how they're playing, and I think the Bengals could certainly stay in there. Houston pretty much has the AFC South on lock at this point. Uh, uh, and the Chiefs and Chargers are the 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 top of the class in the West. Uh, uh, while, yes, the NFC East is still technically in the balance right now. Cowboys have been struggling all year. Eagles and Redskins are are the class of that division. Uh, the, the NFC North is the one division that's actually still competitive. So that one's still up, up in the air. The South is also still competitive, although, you know, Buccaneers are falling down. Falcons are starting to raise up, but, you know, they still have a ways to go. So I think that's still Panthers and Saints division to lose. And then the West, you've got uh, the Seahawks and Rams dominating that division. So (coughs) this this uh, this year, it's, um, you know, a tale of two leagues, pretty much. There are the teams that are doing very well and the teams that are crap in the bed, so I think a lot of this is going to stay put. So you're saying sell? 
that more more than half of them are not in playoffs by the end yes. of the season. Yeah, I'm that at least that. at least six won't make the postseason. Jason, oh yeah, I'm going. I'm going to say that. I'm going to buy that. I think. I think we're going to miss six of those teams will be watching from the couch come January. Eric. I'm personally going to sell. Looking at those standings, and especially with how Brandon broke it off division by division, I can't think of six teams who could come up and replace some of those teams that are even on the fringes. If you said, oh, two or three, I could make a case, especially with a couple of the divisions, but not six. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. We move on here. Jason, do you want That's the me. college topic? Do you want the college topic or do you want the mixed topic? I will take the mixed. With Tuesday and Wednesday night games becoming more and more prevalent in college football, buy or sell that having either college or the NFL seven days of the week is a bad thing for the football experience. Due to oversaturation. Uh, I'm buying that. I think it's a very bad thing. Not only from a oversaturation on TV wise. Uh, but also uh, from the student athlete perspective. I mean having the games early in the week. Cuts in the instructional time. And that's going to be a thing that you're going to see on college campuses. So I mean... It's just going to be one of those things that you you really can't get behind, at least not me, because you're going to have these low-level teams getting airtime on Monday uh, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Eric, buy or sell that we have seen the oversaturation of football with it airing seven days a week. I completely buy it, not just for the experience with the student-athlete, the scholar-athlete on college, but look at the fans. I mean, yeah, it's an interesting quirk to see fans tailgating with bacon and pancakes and going to their pajamas for an early bowl game, but having this all of a sudden for four or five months out of the season, how is that going to affect travel, that affecting ticket sales? I mean, even with me, I'm not going to sit every single night after work and then be in the mood to watch a game. I'm already not a big fan of the Thursday night NFL games. We, we get to the point to where it's not just too much. We've gone way past too much. And yeah, it's going to hurt some pocketbooks, but I think if you scale it back, that'll be a win-win for everybody. Brandon. Yeah, I definitely have to buy this as well. Uh, yes, it may help to an extent to get some um, to get some uh, exposure for some of the smaller teams in college by having them on a national broadcast on a Tuesday or Wednesday. But this is one of the things that NFL fans and, and football fans have been saying, um, you know, 
for years now, it's like, you know, one of their big complaints about, uh, you know, baseball is that, oh, they play every day, you know, the games don't matter. Yeah, it's not the same teams playing every day, but, you know, football has always been a very ritualized type thing where it's like, okay, every Saturday, every Sunday, I'm watching football during the fall. Now it's, oh, it's every week? Okay, this is different. You know, it's not like in the past where it was one or two days, you know, maybe three day, you know, three days a week. Um, even even for NFL, even if you're doing all, all all four, you know, even you know, it's four days a week, but it's not the whole week. Um, now with it being every day, it's. I mean, I don't even know how the ratings are for some of the Tuesday and Wednesday night games because you know I don't see many people focused on football on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Yeah, I don't imagine that there are a whole lot of eyes glued to Georgia Southern versus Appalachian State. Yeah, really. I mean, don't get me wrong. Both of those programs are actually very good. Appalachian State I mean, actually Appalachian State actually managed to crack the NCAA Top 25 for the first time last week. And then I mean, got it you know, handed to them by Georgia Southern. But go uh, ahead. Yeah. Which which I actually enjoyed because one of uh, the the head guy when I was uh, working with Sun, the Sun Belt League, uh, he's their main like one of their uh, secondary broadcasters over at Georgia Southern and and is going to Georgia Southern. Nice. All right, Eric. It's appropriate that you get the college question to lead us off here because you're the one that taught me how to say this. You ready? Ready. With a strong performance against LSU this Saturday, Tua Tagovailoa wraps up the Heisman Trophy. I, I want to buy it. I want to buy it, but I have to sell it for now. Because he's already had in his first big The Hype game, but even with this, now he's just getting a second hype game. He's still got to put up numbers in the Iron Bowl. And when he, if he does that, if and basically when Alabama goes to the Atlanta for the SEC championship, he's got to put up numbers there too. This will definitely strengthen his case. But if he does well, he's still got... Two more big performances to go. I'll have maybe a couple of fingertips on it. Probably close to a full hand, but it won't be his just yet. Brandon. Who are the other, who are the other um, main contenders right now? The current ESPN top five projection, and I will send you the link, Eric, so that way you can include this in our show description. All right. Are Tago Valoa is in first place. Kyler Murray of Oklahoma is second. Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State is third. Gardner Minshew of Washington State is fourth. And then it is a three-way tie for fifth between Travis Etienne of Clemson Ed Oliver of Houston, the defensive tackle, and Jason's favorite player in college football, quarterback for West Virginia, Will Greer. Yeah, I 
I'm gonna do a soft buy on this because out of all of those guys you just mentioned, there's only one other guy on that list that really has a statement rivalry game still left, and that's um, uh, the quarterback, the guy from uh, Ohio State. Haskins? Yeah, Haskins. There we go. Um, See, I'm, I'm going to disagree with that because Oklahoma and West Virginia play later this year, which could be an opportunity for Kyler Murray and Will Greer. That, that's true. I'll, I'll give you that. I'm, I, I was more so thinking on a pure rivalry level. Um, but that is a good point that those two playing Mur- each other would be a, a, uh, would be a statement game for both of them. To be fair, Murray did play well in the rivalry game against Texas. His defense just let him down. Oh no, I know that, but that, but that's what I'm saying. Tiger Vagaloa has two big rivalry statement games that, if he plays well and Alabama wins, and especially if they win win big, he basically locks it up. Jason, I know you're biased towards Will Greer in the Heisman discussion. We've had this conversation a couple of times already on this season. Now. Would, yeah, you, but, would you rightfully, well, first, of all, first of all, would you rightfully agree that Tago Valoa is the current clubhouse leader for the Heisman? I'm going to have to say yes. I mean, much as it pains me to say... The reason I say that is because while Greer has been playing very well, his performance against Iowa State and the West Virginia loss significantly hurt his chances. Um, yeah. By yourself, that with a strong performance against LSU, Tygo Valoa wraps up the Heisman Trophy. I don't think he fully wraps it up, but I think he creates a strong enough gap that he could have a bad game without you. It truly hurting him. Fair enough. Uh, anybody have anything to add to that here for the Heisman race, or are we ready to move on to pour one out for the homers? I think we can move on. Jason, speaking of rivalry games, your first opportunity to make a statement for West Virginia comes this weekend when you guys head to Austin, Texas in Royal Texas Memorial Stadium to take on number 17, Texas. Yeah, and the only thing, two things I know that come from Texas is steers and queers, and I ain't seen a set of horns on any of those football players. The views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily reflect those of the rest of us here at the W2M Network. We apologize for him. Please consider that, that as you look. It was a line from a movie. Disclaimer canceled. A movie that we I know it was a line from a movie, but at the same time, that's not a word we use anymore in, in public company. I have no moral high ground to stand on, and uh, if you would like a detailed explanation of that, then uh, 
First, email s.garmer at gmail.com so you can pressure him into getting together sound effects so I can bring back point of viewer. You're not the only one that deals with conundrums, Sean. I just do it differently. <laughs> Remember, all hate mail, s.garmer at gmail.com. Um, Alright, now this question goes to both of you here. I do believe it is the Giants bye week, is it not? Uh-huh. Up to this point of the season, obviously you guys have to be disappointed that you're 2-6 and six here. What do you guys think is the biggest problem with your team right now? Jason, I'll ask you first. What, what's our biggest problem? Yes. Um, we have a less mobile quarterback than Drew Bledsoe and a Swiss cheese offensive line. Oh, you guys are one in seven. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say. I gave you an extra game. I turned you guys into the Bills. My bad. We we don't want that extra game. We, we keep it. Well, yeah. Now that now that Oakland's one in seven, you guys are right back in the running for uh for the number one overall pick once again. Yep. Let me ask you the same question I asked Jason, Brandon. What do you think is the biggest problem with the Giants this season? Pretty much same thing that Jason said. Um, yeah, lack of an offensive line. I said it at the beginning of the season. I've been saying it for pretty much the past three or four seasons for the Giants. They need to strengthen that offensive line. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. We will talk to you more and get it together. Eric! Oh, God. It, yes? Yeah, I know. You don't want to discuss the Hurricanes, especially after what happened this past Saturday once again. Well, technically it was a Thursday. But still, Boston College, what gives? Hurricane season is over. We're not even a tropical damn depression at this point. We don't have a quarterback. Our defense forgot how to play. Bo Boston College... How do you let a running back from Boston College get over 100 yards? What the hell happened? I thought things were going good with the turnover chain. That thing is looking all sleek. You're supposed to work hard and show it off. It, no. God, no. This, no. We're done. We're done. Chalk it up well, and wait until baseball season. It's a battle of five <laughs> and there. It's not very good. Uh, he's referring to Miami Hurricane Baseball, actually. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty good. I'll give you that. It's a battle of five and three teams in Corral Gables. Actually, technically, they're in Miami proper for their game. The campus is in Corral. That might be your problem. Your, your stadium isn't on campus, Eric. No, no! The stadium wasn't on campus. What the damn Marlins did, they took away one of the hallowed sacred stadiums in the history of football just so they could build a barnyard of a damn baseball park for a team that nobody wants to come out and watch and can't hit the broadside of a damn barn once a month. Hey, they, they should be using that. I mean, granted, I've been saying this about my, my alma mater as well, and they never do. Um, granted, it's not as big of a draw, but still, Miami should be using that as a recruiting uh, cell, saying, hey, you can play in an NFL stadium. Yeah, so, so, so does Pittsburgh. So does Pittsburgh. 
What does that mean? Well, not to oh, mention here, let's be, on, let's be honest here, Hard Rock's kind of a dive. Yeah, I'll give you that. Alright, it is a battle of five and three teams in the ACC Coastal as you guys play the Duke Blue Devils Saturday night at 7 o'clock, Eric. Your thoughts? I hope that it doesn't come down to some sort of miracle play again. Would I be surprised if Duke wins? At this point, not really. Nah. Nah. I hope to God CMR can go on the recruiting trail and find someone who can throw the ball on a regular basis. Brad, Kaya, why did you have to go? Look what happened to you. Look what you could be doing with us. Oh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are three and five, Eric. Oh God, going from one dumpster fire to a bigger dumpster fire. Look, we're not the Giants. We're not the Raiders. We're not tanking. We're not supposed to be trading away our half decent players. No, we're in the mix of things. Yet, Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is health. You mean Blake Bortles not getting his ass whooped in the locker room? Or Blake Bortles not being demoted to third string? Is that what you're really worried about? And if so, why on God's green earth do you sign Landry Jones? Landry Jones! Of all the quarterbacks in all the world, you pick him? Jesus Christ. What the hell is going on over there? I need to make a drive and bust some heads. Can, can we change the name to this segment to pour one out to the dumpster fires? Because that's what this is at this point for all of our teams. Honestly, at this point, we shouldn't be pouring them out. We should just be downing them ourselves. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Drown out the sorrows of the homers. Yep. Once no. again, Jacksonville, much the same as the Giants, finds itself on a bye week this week. Eric, what do you think is the biggest problem with the Jaguars before this season? Oh, I don't know. A certain man wearing the number five who can't really learn how to play in a certain front office who, you know, gave him a whole bunch of money for uh, just about no apparent reason. And a certain man with long hair and a mustache worrying about a soccer team and his son getting into a wrestling league or building up downtown rather than, you know, focusing on what he supposedly wanted to do for a big chunk of his life now that he's done it and he just doesn't care. It, uh, oh, dear Lord, I need to get drunk. So there'll be plenty of time to do that once we finish with the show. Oh, boy, hell is it. Eric, feel free to flip the script. So, yeah, uh, your Gators, uh, how you feeling after the cocktail party? Because, um, um, yeah, them dogs, they did it again. Did I or did I not say that I was picking Georgia in that game, Eric? You did. I like Felipe Franks as a person. He is not the quarterback to lead this offense, and especially not when we need to be taking more deep shots against a team like Georgia, who has a questionable secondary. Their front line is fantastic, and they completely and entirely shut down our running game on Saturday. When Franks was able to be accurate to his receivers, Florida moved the ball. The problem was is that Franks wasn't always accurate, and our defense got exposed by that Georgia offense there. 
LSU showed the game plan for how to beat Georgia. We just couldn't take advantage of it. Fair play to them. They deserve that win there. Hopefully, Florida can still find themselves in an NY Six Bowl. Yeah, with the way that Georgia-Kentucky is going, that'll pretty much solve things for you. Maybe Kentucky Fried Bulldog will taste just as delicious as Kentucky Fried Gator. I have it on good authority that Kentucky Fried Buckets and West Virginia Hoot Owls game has actually been moved to next week due to weather. Just a heads up. <laughs> due to bats. Damn climate change and bats. Is that what it is? Is your stadium swamped out with bats, Jason? Is that what's going on over there? Warm bats. Ah, sweet. Or as my doctor calls them, warm bats. No, no, no. Up there they shapeshift, so completely different animal. Gators get Missouri this week. Um, this one I'm not that worried about. These Tigers are coming off of losing on the last play to Kentucky. These Tigers have gotten their asses beat on several occasions already this season. This is a four-and-four four Missouri team. I'm not that concerned for this weekend. The college game that does have my concern for this weekend, though, is the 3:30 national game on ABC when Penn State plays Michigan. Hey, you could destroy uh, the Big Ten's chance of making the playoffs. We could. And at the same time, nothing makes me happier than shutting up Michigan fans. Um, Would you really feel happier after putting Harbaugh through all of that again? Yes. Yes, I would. Fair enough. (laughs) Let's talk Buffalo, shall we? Oh, oh, you signed Matt Barkley. Uh-huh. So that means we have a quarterback from USC. We have an injured quarterback from Wyoming. And we have a quarterback from Pittsburgh. And the three of them combined equal out to, well, about nothing. <laughs> Matt Barkley hasn't taken a snap in the NFL in, I think, three years. Hey, at least, at, at least he's, would you rather have, have Pickerman? Uh, they've already announced that Peterman's the starter this Sunday. Nathan Peterman! Nathan Peterman! Can, can, can we have Eric? an over... Can, can we get a consensus over-under on, uh, interceptions for this week? Four. Oh, if you're setting the number at four, I'll go ahead and take the over. Yeah. I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna... But I'll set the over-under at six. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he has a career day and leads the field to victory. I'm going to go on a limb and say he has a career day and breaks the NFL record and throws eight interceptions. I can't do that. Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't this the same Nathan Peterman that ended Miami's national championship hopes a couple of seasons ago which makes this so delicious oh the irony you feel the pain the horror the immense dread whenever you hear the name nathan peterman just like we do in coral gables 
This Sunday, the Buffalo Bills play the Chicago Bears. Now, normally, this would be cause for concern. Khalil Mack is not playing on Sunday. Why is that? I believe he got hurt in the game in the game last week against New England. He didn't play last week against New England. Then he got hurt two weeks ago. Robertson, one of their other defensive tackles, got hurt as well. And he's not playing this weekend. There is potential hope in Buffalo. It's not very high potential with Nathan Peterman as our starting quarterback. But you know what they say. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. We lose the games we should win. We win the games we should lose. History says we should lose this game. You ask Minnesota how that worked out for them. Yeah, but that was Josh Allen. That's fair. We'll see what happens come Sunday. We move on to get it together. Eric, you start us off. I, I, I mentioned this team before, and it's actually fitting because they just played and got it handed to them again. Oakland Raiders, at first of all, admit it. You're tanking. You would trade away or release Derek Carr the second you had a chance. You traded away Khalil Mack. You traded away Amari Cooper. Marshawn Lynch's career might possibly be done. And everybody's looking and saying with John Gruden and his 10-year deal that he's blowing up the team. This is exactly why you're 1-7. and seven. I feel so bad in my heart of hearts. I want you to do better, especially to give Oakland one last glimmer of hope before all of their sports teams disappear. Yes, that includes the A's. They're going to find one way out eventually. But if, for the meantime, could you at least admit it to yourselves? That's the first step in getting it together. Brandon, get it together. I talked about about this team earlier multiple times. They started off the season so well at 3-0. Yeah, they they fell by the wayside a little bit in weeks 4 and 5, but then they had a big statement win against a team that no one gave them a chance against in the Bears, and everyone was thinking, oh, they're back on track. They're going to make a run again. They're going to stay the course and then they proceed to lose to both the Lions and the Texans this will be the Miami Dolphins if you want to have any chance of staying in playoff contention you gotta get it together now yes I get that your quarterback is in and you're you're playing with Brock Osweiler but still if you have any chance if you want to have any chance of making it to the playoffs still gotta get together and get together now Jason well I, I originally had to get it together but the more I think about it I'm, I'm switching gears and saying Jerry Jones needs to get it together because he gave up a first round pick for Amari Cooper and then proceeded to get to set back and watch the likes of Demarius Thomas and Golden Tate 
be sold and traded for pennies on the dollar compared to the Mari Cooper deal. So, obviously, Jerry Jones has lost touch with reality and is the new NFL version of Al Davis. So, he needs to get it together. Uh, okay, I have to quickly come to his defense. Other, other teams were offering a second-round pick for Amari Cooper. He just stepped up and offered a first. If other teams were offering anywhere close to that for the likes of like, Demarius Thomas, then those other teams, even the Houston, they would have stepped up. They just didn't have to. It was a different market. When you only field one phone call, then you, you can take what you get. I'm just pissed off that Demarius Thomas going to the Texans means that Kiki Katori, Kiki Kuti isn't going to get as many catches anymore, and I just picked him up in one of my fantasy leagues. Was you saying, mm-hmm. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? We at the W2M Network do not share, nor do we confirm our yeah, yeah. Could could both could both of you just not be in your feelings, please? We don't have God the time. We don't it. have the time to go outside and open up car doors to dance right now. We still have a show to do. Thanks and whatever. I'm telling you, this show started at the bottom. Anywho, and now we're here. here. There were those that would argue we've never left, actually. But anyway, my get it together never is also got off the ground. My get it together is also in the National Football League. It is the Baltimore Ravens. A three and one start has now seen them lose three of their last four. Of those last four that they've lost, one of them was to the Browns in overtime, and one of them was on a missed extra point by Mister Automatic Justin Tucker. They then proceeded to get schooled by the Carolina Panthers this past Sunday, 36-21. to Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Kansas City are four of their next five games. Baltimore, if you want any chance in the AFC North, get it together and get it together fast. Can, can we, um, since, since this is the last get it together, um, can, can I go first with NFL and segue this directly into Are You Serious? A, it's not the last Get It Together. It is the last Get It Together of tonight's show. Get It Together will return in two weeks because of... You, you know what I mean. The last Get It Together tonight. Okay, well, before you do that, do you want me to go ahead and give you guys the updated standings? Because you guys were on my ass yeah. about that during the course of this week, and I actually have them. Speak for yourself. I wasn't. People were asking. That's all I'm saying. Well, you don't care because you know you're in dead last. You're... Damn right! <laughs> oh, well, yeah, Eric is... Oh, you meant Eric, okay. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's Eric. All right, here we go. Through eight weeks here on the kickoff, these are your Are You Serious standings. Brandon is 6-10 and ten straight up. 9-7 and seven against the spread. Boom. 45.5 points to the positive. In second place, I am four and twelve straight up, nine and seven against the spread. Boom. 
minus six overall in terms of scoring. Jason is two and fourteen straight up, eight and eight against the spread, minus thirty eight points. Eric is well, Eric. <laughs> One and fifteen straight up. But now three and thirteen against the spread, one three and five over these last four weeks against the spread. The Eric, randomness works. Eric is minus one hundred and forty eight point five points. It doesn't work well, but it works. Charlie Strong and Lovey Smith can both kiss my ass. I will say this much though. Brandon, we agreed on our college game last week. Your NFL missed badly the Thursday night game. I called Seattle beating Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. You're catching up. Ever so slowly, but yes. I've actually hit three of my last four against the spread. So I'm mm. pretty happy about that. We moved to week nine, and since Brandon wants to start with the NFL, I guess we can start with the NFL. It's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other here. Go ahead, oh, The, the only it. reason why I was doing this, because you were talking about the Ravens getting it together. And my are you serious is to the contrary. The Ravens will not get together this week. The Steelers over the Ravens this week. Um, isn't Pittsburgh a favorite in that game? Nope. You're kidding me. Nope. Not kidding. Hold on. How the hell? Son of a bitch. Baltimore's a three-point favorite. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> I strongly dislike you, Bisco. <laughs> Eric, NFL. Are you serious? Packers plus five and a half. Because at this point, why not? I mean, every part of me wants New England to lose, so I'm okay with it. No, they're not playing New England this week. Yes, they are. Yes. Oh, wait. oh, wait. They played last, last week. Never mind. They play New England in the Sunday night game. Right, sir. right. Man, that is a pair back-to-back of really good national broadcast games. Rams and, Rams and Saints at 425, and then Packers-Patriots at 8. I know what I'll be doing on Sunday. Mm-hmm. For, for, for the Sunday night game on the Yahoo Little Pick'em Slate Contest, they set for that Sunday night game the over-under at 9.5 for how many times GOAT will be mentioned during the broadcast. I personally picked the over. Over. Yeah, for sure. Over. Yeah, over. Jason, NFL. Uh, I'm just going to take the shit storms up. That is the Cleveland Browns getting eight over Kansas City. It's not the one you sent me. Yeah, it was. No, the one you sent me was Tampa Bay over Carolina. No, that's the one I asked you if you was taking. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, never mind. Cleveland, really? Literacy, something that we do not promote here on the W2M network. Yeah, I'm apparently blind as fuck. All right, good to know. I mentioned earlier when we were discussing this game before we went on the air that um, the head honcho behind the W2M network would not appreciate my pick. One of my former Raw Reaction co-hosts will, though. 
Tennessee minus five and a half against Dallas on Monday Night Football. You overpaid for Amari. You overpaid for Amari. Your team is trash. Your offensive line has done jack and crap this entire season. And honestly, Prescott is proving that the fans that chased Romo out of Dallas are about as dumb as your owner is. We move over to college football. Brandon, I already know yours, and I still can't believe you're taking Oh, yes, I am. Um, I'm not picking them to straight up win, but um, this is a rivalry game. It's in Baton Rouge. We've seen what can happen in the past. LSU, 14 and a half? Oh, yeah, I'm taking that. I think this game's going to be closer than two touchdowns. Eric? For every single thing that I've said, it is going to go against it. This is most likely going to go against every single fiber of my very being. Oh, God, I I, I think I know where you're going here, and it's about to piss me off. Take a take a guess then. Uh, I, well, I don't want to. Re- I don't want to say if it's what I think it is because that would give mine away as well. So I'm curious as to where you're going here. Northwestern plus God ten. Damn it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Northwestern plus ten against Notre Dame is mine as well. Uh huh. Mm hmm. I saw that and I'm like, again, at this point, why not? Why not? Which means I'm pretty much guaranteed a lot of football to guarantee. <laughs> Whoops! Jason, you wrap us up with your collegiate pick. My collegiate pick is Kentucky getting plus nine against Georgia. They say a team that has nothing to lose has everything to gain. Nobody's given Kentucky a chance in this. I'm I'm hanging with the Wildcats. I will say that Kentucky did me and Brandon good last week. Mm-hmm. Both of us picked Kentucky against Missouri and granted a questionable pass interference call. Kentucky did beat Missouri 15-14. That was a little too close, though. Hey, win's a win. I'll give you that. And we were seven point seven and a half point dogs going into the game. So even if we hadn't won that game there, we'd have still won the uh, RU sure. series for it. Sure. If we hadn't gotten the straight up, we would have still gotten the ATS. That officially wraps up week nine here on the kickoff. As a reminder, the week ten episode of the kickoff, we will still have our studs and duds segment to open the show. We will still pour one out for the homers. And we will still have our Are You Serious predictions. However, next week on the kickoff, there will be no buy or sell. There will be no so that happened. There will be no get it together. Instead, next week here on the kickoff, we update our predictions for both the college football playoff and the National Football League playoffs. And... We hand out our mid-season awards. If you guys want to, we can kind of combine them, like 
offensive player of the year, defensive player, whatever, however you guys want to do that. If we want to do separate for college in the NFL, we can. If you want to combine them, we can. We'll figure that out off air. But the midseason awards show and second half prediction show of the kickoff is next Wednesday night here on the WTOM Network. Eric, where can everybody else find you at here on the WTOM Network? Oh, well, again, once Sean has his little situation worked out, uh, we've already got some MLS Cup action, so we're hopefully going to get back to that with soccer to the max. Uh, you can also find us on football to the max, again, when he is prepared and ready. And once I get those sound effects and uh, segment intros, I got a hell of a lot, even more than before, to catch you up on with the return of Point of Viewer. And unfortunately, you may have to be hearing me deal with the chair over next summer. Don't, I'd advise you to stay tuned, but even for my sake, don't. Have fun with that. You, you poor, poor man. Hi, <laughs> I know you and Tori got some stuff going on here on the W2M. Uh, as of right now, uh, Raw may be coming back fairly soon and, and all, all the wrestling stuff, but um, more than likely tomorrow, uh, Tori and I will have the last episode of the 31 Days of Halloween up for Graveyard Shift. So be sure to tune in for that. Jason, do you have anything to plug besides the West Virginia Hootouts game against the Kentucky Buckets this Saturday? I don't do shit. <laughs> he sleeps. That's, he sleeps. That's what he needs to do right about now. <laughs> Brandon mentioned it. If what is planned for the W2M Raw review with Cedric Cologne taking over as Brandon's co-host, then the SmackDown Live review will return as well. We will discuss 205 and NXT. I make no promises as to the status of those, but if Raw comes back, I will bring SmackDown back. And in addition, Brandon and I will be doing How the War Was Won. Once the kickoff season wraps come February. So make sure you guys stay tuned to that and everything else here on the W2M Network. Available online at W2Mnet.com. For, oh wait, real quick, before I tell you who we are, let me also tell you that we are a presentation of the W2M Network. Available online at W2Mnet.com. And you can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox, Spotify is here. And Glacier's a dick. For Jason Teasley, Eric Watkins, and Brandon Biscabing, I'm Harry Broadhurst. Somebody's microphone is echoing horribly. I think it's you, Bisco. Mute your mic, please. Thank you, Brandon. For Eric Watkins, Jason Teasley, and Brandon Biscabing. Yep, that's better. I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been regular season episode nine of season two of The Kickoff. Here. Who else? Network. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Buckets and Hootals update next next Wednesday night as well. We'll talk to you on season. <laughs> Got the all Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next Wednesday. <laughs>
The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.